Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Now, you and I talked about this a little bit the other day, but I want to talk about it again because I still think it's funny how um, when you go into like a convenience store or a gas station or whatever, they have a bunch of signage that's like, cigarettes kill 1200 people all the time right now where it's killing someone and i find it so funny how people have known that cigarettes are bad for like 60 years now if not longer and there have been active government campaigns to go against them but it's people are still smoking cigarettes which makes you think maybe there's something behind the product that's worth it maybe it's just so good a product, no one can stop it. Um, this it's a funny line of thinking. Okay, but uh, it's a dangerous line of thinking. And I thought I was on your pay on the same page as you for about five seconds because I'm thinking. Well, first of all, <laughs> cigarettes look cool. I want if cigarettes didn't cause cancer and they didn't smell, even if they did nothing for you, like there was no buzz or anything, I would do it just because it looks cool. It yeah, looks for sure. Freaking cool. But then I thought, man, I do so many things that are just dangerous. I ride a motorcycle, dude. The amount of fatalities that happen on motorcycles is astronomical. And then you look around and like those, how, how many of those people, like how dangerous it is to drink and ride a motorcycle, how dangerous it is to not have a helmet, how dangerous it is to speed on a motorcycle. It's like the death ratio, the fatalities is insane. People still do it, bro. And then I'm like, well, what else do dumb people do regardless of consequences? And all I had to do is like, Think about who people vote for. (laughs) And they're just like, some people can get burned so many times and just not care, bro. And then it makes you think, maybe if I joined, I can catch a little what they're on and maybe my life would be better. Maybe they know something I don't know. And it all circles back to that like ignorance is bliss concept of like, maybe I just need to like stop thinking so hard And just let everything happen. Whatever, whatever. You know, maybe there's no point to everything. Maybe we smoke a thousand cigarettes and that that's the point of it all. And maybe for like episode five hundred, we just take a handful of mushrooms and just experience ego death. Okay. Whoa. Hey, whoa. First of all, we're not starting with a handful. Okay? (laughs) You have to understand that, right? Like, well, if I, I want to, if I want to speed run ego death, I feel like a handful <laughs> is a good place to start. <laughs> if I want to detach myself from myself, <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good way to do it. <laughs> oh man, you know, I've never really done like crack before. Can I get a whole mouthful? Just dump but, it right. Just like pure sugar. Just get it in there. That's my mentality for a lot of things though. Do you know anyone who turned 21 and they're like, well, let me start out modestly. Me? Yeah. And it's lame. Actually. And then you came over to my house and then we did it right. Okay. And then we did it right. So (laughs) if you're going to do it, go all the way and then dial it back. Okay. So you got to find your limit, go past your limit. And then come back. And a then, and bit. that's where you know your limits are. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. You know what? I would. I can't criticize too much because I've definitely done that before. And I'm just like sitting on the couch, time ticking by. Every second feels like a full minute, and I'm like, "This was wrong. This was wrong. I don't want to yeah, be here. This is the worst." How am I supposed to know my limits are if I don't pass them? 
And am I supposed <laughs> to be like, oh, this is getting uncomfortable. That must be my limit. Ah, I don't know if I could. Maybe I'm supposed to go way further than that. Okay. So what I want to do now is I want to like disguise myself as a motivational speaker to her like middle schools and be like, remember, you can only learn your limit after you pass them and just kind of see what effect on society that has. Yeah. Now, as long as you're not hurting other people, because obviously in relationships, this is different. But like as far when it comes to like substances, if you know you're not going to OD, like do it. You know what I mean? Hey, worst case scenario, night in the hospital. Make sure you have good insurance. Or just do it right outside the hospital. (laughs) Listen, bro, if I was ever going to do heroin, I'm going to do it like in the bench seat in front of the emergency room. Catch me in the bathroom of the hospital shooting yeah. up because it's the 100%. safest place to do it. One hundred percent. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna check my sin. Might chuck myself in to the emergency room for like getting stitches or something. Then do heroin in the seat. So when they come back to check on me, I'm already checked in, bro. Just freaking hook me up. I'm already here. They don't have metal detectors in hospitals. Well, it depends on what hospital you go to. Well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Just you walking well, saying, in, you walking in with a rusty spoon, and and you're like, "Can I get a room, please?" I'm not a rusty spoon guy. I'm more of a syringe guy. But I see your point. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think there's just like there's there's safe ways. This is why when people meet up with someone from Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, you do it outside the police station. There are safe ways to do risky behavior. Yeah. And this is just if I'm gonna do drugs, let me figure out where people OD, dial it back a little bit, and then start there. <laughs> And now I know this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Um, (laughs) Do you think that we've uh, covered enough ground to uh, move on to our middle segment? Do you think we need to stop marking our podcast as clean and (laughs) bump it up to explicit after we talked about doing drugs for the first seven minutes? Uh, Nah, not this time. Maybe next time, though. (laughs) All right. So we have started a new theme for the month. That's. We haven't come up with a succinct title yet, but the generic version is How Have You Not Seen This Movie? Where Alex and I have curated lists for ourselves of movies that we should have seen because they are incredibly on brand for us. Um, And the first movie that I have not seen, despite the fact I very much should have, is the Rick Moranis Little Shop of Horrors. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 26 minutes, 15 seconds. So Little Shop is something that I've known about for a while. And like, I know the music, I know the story, like, but everything I know about it is from like the Broadway productions. And like, when I listen to the Little Shop soundtrack, I listen to the new Broadway recording that I think came out in like 2009 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is my version of that soundtrack that I listened to. And for a while, um, Seymour was like my dream role to do on stage. You know, Rick Moranis, I am very Rick Moranis coded in real life. So like doing Seymour is not that big a stretch for me. Not going to have to work very hard for that one. Also, like it's not a tenor role. So, you know, I could perform that vocally yeah. without too much. It, uh, it was one of those roles that if they cast you and then you got, went and met people after the show, they'd be like, oh, you're you're just a method you're, actor. You're, you're still in like character. That. that's crazy he's still in character he's meeting people in character that's insane because like i mean can you imagine like seeing people do their auditions and they're just trying to be like you 
Yeah. And you walk up there and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's a genius. <laughs> um, so Little Shop of Horrors came out in 1986. It is a comedy horror musical and it's very sci-fi in premise, but not so much in execution where um, a plant was delivered by aliens uh, and this plant is um, a carnivore. So it only grows on the taste of blood. And as it grows and grows, it requires more and more blood until Seymour, who is taking care of said plant, just starts murking people and has to start feeding him whole bodies. And um, he works at this really rundown plant shop. He has an abusive boss. He has this girl that he's into with unrequited love. Um, Typical, like nerd down on his luck type beat yeah that that feels about right i think the tricky part about his i mean i don't want to talk about her but she's kind of important to the story yes um yeah down on his luck works in the he lives in the basement of his workplace um and you don't quite realize that in the beginning because he's like working down there but there's a bed yeah Uh, and his co-worker uh goes by the name of audrey and he is he, she's obsessed with him. I don't know if he catches the bug till later because it, it it's not consistent. Yeah, she definitely has an interest in him, but she doesn't think that she deserves somebody like Seymour. So she has a whole song about it where right. she is dating this um, dentist, so- sociopathic dentist, a sadist, exactly specifically. Yes. Um, and so. He takes out his sadistic behaviors on Audrey. And so she's like, this is what I deserve. She sees the kindness in Seymour, but she sings this whole song of like, if I could live with someone like Seymour, I would. But that's not who I am. I don't deserve something like this and so on and so forth. Right. Um, Do you think is he initially interested in her? I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh I kind of think it fluctuates throughout the show. Like he becomes so absorbed with the plant, he kind of forgets about her, and then she's around. Yes, and yeah. Whole thing. The start of the movie, it's very obvious that he is into her, but she does not reciprocate as much. But the, mm-hmm. yeah, once the plant starts getting like famous, he is definitely more dialed in on the fame and the plant and the success. Uh, and that's kind of how it stays until he gets an opportunity to like really, um make a move on Audrey. Um, right. I want to say this movie is filled to the brim with like comedy legend. Cause like I said, you got Rick Moranis as your lead, Steve Martin yep. as like your biggest supporting actor. And then you have Jim Belushi, John Candy, Christopher guest and Bill Murray all doing um, guest appearances. Yeah. And I mean like only... straight up almost cameos. It's yeah. crazy. And only John Candy's doesn't land. <laughs> John it's, Candy's is rough. I think John Candy wasn't funny. I think he was almost just making fun of people. Sure. And I think yeah. him not being funny was on purpose to show people that they weren't funny. Yeah. But it was like almost too meta for the movie. Be like, yeah. hey, man, this does not fit whatever. We don't have time for levels in this. <laughs> Yeah, let's this movie on is the an top. hour 30, and that's all the time you get. Yeah, let's. we don't have time to be meta. We have 
It's song, 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 plot, plot, plot. And speaking of songs, dude, I, I've seen this movie before. I remembered I didn't like it. I couldn't remember why. So I started being like, oh, this movie's going to suck. That first song, dude, Little Shop, like the theme, mm-hmm. is a banger, dude. So the Greek chorus in this movie is so good. So good. Not only are they an amazing Greek chorus, um, but also like the thing that I noticed was their costumes were on point every time. Dude, they had costume changes nonstop. They probably had the best costumes of anyone in the movie. Yeah, because everyone else is dressed like normal people. And here you have these three women that are their whole purpose is to just sing. They add to scenes here and there. But more often than not, they are the people that when we see them, they're like, they're going to sing something and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's very a la like Hercules, that Greek chorus. So it's the women on the vase um, who sing around the animated Hercules and just kind of like give exposition through their songs. It's very similar. And I love it in both movies. It's so good, dude. Um, And so... I say Greek chorus, that's like a theater term. A Greek chorus are members of your cast whose purpose is to sing and not necessarily contribute to plot. Like they exist in this like omniscient sphere of the universe where they kind of right. see all and can sing about all. So that's your more technical definition. Um, but I love the Greek chorus. Every time they popped up, they killed it. And also Rick Moranis. Oh He's my got pipes. God. He's got like, pipes, bro. I thought the- like... He almost had uh, a secondary vocalist. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. like a Zac and he was lip syncing. Um, it was yeah. insane. I genuinely looked it up because I'm like, there's no way that's Rick Moranis. It is. He's just built different, I guess. Yeah, um, I was very impressed. And the thing that we've kind of been beating around the bush here is that Alex and yep. I both did not necessarily care for Ellen Green's casting as Audrey. Um, My big problem with it is that she is the word I came up with was wispy where all of her dialogue is very wispy. And when she sings, she's inconsistent in a a wispy tone and like a pop star tone, because when she sings somewhere that's green, the song where she's like lamenting about a, a, a potential love for Seymour it, it it's in that wispy tone. But then when we cut to suddenly Seymour, the big ballady duet, the one where they get to belt as hard as they can, like some of the time she's singing wispy and some of the time she's singing super belty. And I, at the very least, I wish it was more consistent. Um, but at the end of the day, I, st- I just didn't care for it. It was a little too airy. Um, I think for our audience to feel what we mean, uh, think less wispy and more shrill. Yeah. It's like obnoxious, dude. It's distracting. You don't want her to come on screen because her voice, her just her speaking voice is obnoxious. And every other iteration that I've heard of Audrey leans more Jersey. And so they kind of lean more into the accent than the tone itself. And I think that that is incredibly beneficial to the character. So um, this was, this is the third version of Little Shop to have existed because it was originally a 60s movie. 
and then it got mm-hmm. adapted to Broadway, and then it got adapted into this movie. So, like, there have been versions of this before. Um, but I, I really just think that um, the, the, the choices she made, I understand why she made them. I don't necessarily disagree with them. I just also don't necessarily like them. Yeah, the director, Frank Oz, should have said something. Be like, hey, this might even been the right choice. I will say you're going to alienate a large portion of our audience by talking like that. Is this whole place thing supposed to take place in New York City? Um, I don't think it says specifically. Like I said, other iterations have leaned more Jersey. Okay. Um, but because so they, they have a whole song, the second song is Skid Row. Yeah, Skid Row's in L.A. Um, I also think that Skid Row is like um. Is it just a blanket term for? Yes, I think it. Yeah, where I think homeless it's just, people live. Yeah, I think it's like a blanket term for slums. Um, yeah, it was one of those things. I'm like. I'm pretty sure it's in LA and I Googled it. And the first thing that comes up is LA. And I'm like, where do they live? It's a very like New York, Jersey, like urban East coast set. Um, and the set is sick by the way. Dude, this it set is so cool. Is so, it's one of those sets that you look at it and you think, I wish we still made sets like this. It's dope. Um, to the point where I'm like, it almost looks like they shut down a block in a city and just filmed there. Yeah. It is legit. Um, um, I would be remiss if I did not get an opportunity to talk about the puppeteering in this movie. Um, okay. So as we mentioned before, this movie is directed by Frank Oz. If you don't know who Frank Oz is, he was effectively Jim Henson's right-hand man. And Jim Henson created the Muppets. Um, and so Frank Oz, um, he was Fozzie Bear on the original Muppet show. He did all the puppeteering for Yoda and um, all the, all these basically he like helped establish puppeteering as like a major art form in filmmaking. And so of course, when you put Frank Oz in a movie with a giant plant, he's going to knock it out of the park. Um, the, the Audrey two is the name of the plant. Cause Seaborn names the plant after Audrey. Um, and the, the puppet for Audrey 2, specifically, like, the details inside of his mouth were incredible to look at. Like, the movie goes out of its way to show you the inside of Audrey 2's mouth. And it has so many, like, ridges and details. And, like, it is so fully formed in a way that I really appreciate. There's also, like, eight different editions of Audrey 2. Yeah, for sure. And they all look dope and it's also got to the point where i'm like it the puppeteering is so well done i'm like this has part of this has to be cgi they have there has to be camera tricks or something going on i don't even know how they i I just don't know how they did it yeah it was very impressive and i sent you a link to this but the movie has two different endings um one one that is the one that is in the movie that you see is not the original version. If you watch the original Little Shop or the Broadway Little Shop, um, that is the deleted scene. And so <laughs> the, the, the deleted ending of this movie is Audrey 2 eats everybody and spreads like plantlings across the country and they grow to Godzilla-like size and terrorize the planet. And so there's a... There's a footage of it on YouTube of that ending where you see 
all these giant plants effectively go Godzilla mode on um, a city. And if you watch that, it's so well done. You look at it and you're like, why on earth would they scrap this? Why would they go against this ending? Um, because they just like, they really double down on that. And um, that's, that's what I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that we had a second to uh, spotlight the spotlight, the production value. Yeah. They just, uh, just didn't test well. Uh, sometimes audiences just want a happy ending. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I also want to say um, Steve Martin kills it. He is dude, he's so, so good. He's so good, dude. He has, I mean, the only thing I don't like is when he's on the laughing gas, his laughs are horribly fake. Yes. Like, I'm like, this is what happens when you tell a child to fake laugh. It's the same thing. But dude, his performance, his singing, I mean, even his interactions with the motorcycle, it's everything oh my God. is so good. <laughs> you reminded me. So I, I talk about like the production value of this movie. This movie also doesn't take itself very seriously. So, they, so Steve Martin is playing this dentist, but he plays it like a bad boy. And so it's like bad boy Elvis, if he was a dentist. And so yes. he has his hair slicked back. He has a leather jacket. He rides a motorcycle. And there's this one specific shot where he rides his motorcycle in at full speed and he like jumps off of something like the motorcycle is coming down from an angle at rapid. Yeah, I think speeds. he like ramps off stairs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and when he lands the bike, the bike just stops. No just momentum stops. perfectly stopped on a dime. And I thought that was an amazing joke. It's yeah, dude, it's, he was so funny. And I mean, it's just like, why did you do this movie? He could do anything he wanted. This is like pretty close to the height of Steve Martin. For and then sure. Bill Murray just shows in and he goes, I'll knock out a scene real quick for you. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? Were musicals that popular? But like they both, I mean, they were both amazing. I loved him so much, dude. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, this is a very Craig movie. It is cheesy. It is yeah. silly. And it doesn't have a lot of emotional depth. It is kind of just, it is the epitome. It is the epitome of an 80s B movie. Yeah. With all the good and bad that comes with it. It's just that this one leans a little bit more my direction. So. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a reason this fits your, your month so well. Yeah. I When I watched it, I'm like, oh, Craig's going to love this movie. Yeah. He's going to um, love it. It's the it's the Rick Moranis, it's the music, it's the tone, it's the puppetry, like it's it's all of that. And this this movie has my favorite duet song of all time, not my favorite rendition of it, but Suddenly Seymour is like my favorite duet song of all time, and it has been for a while. Did not know that. That's n not my favorite song. Um what is Dentist? Dentist Banger. Yeah. The theme, um, I loved it every single time it came up. And then Feed Me. Feed Me's pretty good. Feed yeah. Me's pretty good too. So I think those are probably my top three. But um Skid Row is good too. I so would it say sounds like, like you liked every song but suddenly Seymour. <laughs> I liked half of the music. That's a yeah. lot for me though. Cause yes. this is like this movie's almost forty years old. Yeah. So like um, if you like if I like half the music, 
it feels i mean that's really good especially since i remember not liking this movie i'm like this movie's not as bad as i thought that just third act and audrey's voice if audrey was just a different person i think this movie would get a different rating and here's the thing about it that we also should address is ellen green originated the role of audrey off broadway so like yeah she owns the role it's just and so i I, don't like her (laughs) and not a fan and and that's fine you know um so i think i'm gonna rock this one at a seven seven five this is a huge disparity not as bad as mama mia because that was pretty bad too (laughs) um i'm going 5.25 because the music was good, but Audrey's voice was brutal. Um, I didn't like the whole shopkeeper character. Sure, yeah. I didn't. I wish the parts I liked, there weren't enough of it. I wanted more Steve Martin. I wanted more Bill Murray. I wanted more songs like Dentist. I wanted more of the theme. Um, and there was just too many songs with Eileen that I just didn't like. And I didn't like her. And then, I mean, the plot is ridiculous and it's campy, which is so, not my favorite. And so the the thing that I will like meet you on is once Seymour is like, oh, I guess I'm OK with killing people. His character definitely takes a weird pivot. Yeah. Like like once he the, like once he throws the dentist into Audrey, too, like he's like, huh, well, so be it. And then he throws, like, uh, starts throwing just a bunch of people in there. And I'm like, Seymour, this is not a good color on you. Yeah, it just it was kind of hard for me to follow. It didn't fit the brand. It, it just wasn't what I was expecting. But, I mean, dude, sure. the first, I loved the first half of the movie. The second yeah. half. And it's a 90-minute movie. I just, like, couldn't get on board with the last half. Yeah. Um. But such is life. Um, yeah. We will move on to the next bit. And we are going to do our annual second week in the year, year in review. So Alex and I are going to go back, look over 2023, talk about our favorite movies, our favorite other things, um, and talk about some of the better moments from that. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start right, off I, with the big hitter? Dude, I only prepped movies. I wanted to okay. focus on movies because I think 2023 was a great year for them. Okay. I want you to go first then okay so i have i watched of the movies that came out in 2023 i watched 36 of them which is not that much actually it's gonna sound a lot to our audience that's really not that much um of just 2023 movies i pulled my favorite eight okay um there are ones that had to be on this list barbie's on this list oppenheimer's on this list spider-man across the spider-verse is on this list they ha- I feel like those have to be on everybody's list. And if not, they're an honorable mention. Like, I know Oppenheimer's not for everybody, but it's an honorable mention. It's impressive. Um, so I'll, my number eight is Please Don't Destroy. It's a movie on Peacock put out by Please Don't Destroy. Um, it's, it's niche, but it's got Conan O'Brien in it. And Please Don't Destroy is a group that writes for SNL. Um, the full title is Please Don't Destroy the Treasure of Foggy, Bo- Foggy Mountain. It's just a comedy. That's the vibe it. I got from it was it kind of feels like one of those like comedy for comedians type movies where, like you said, like it's very niche in the sense of like like almost like a Tim Robinson type deal where like right. you go into it knowing that um 
th- it may not be your deal. Yeah. If you, I, I mean, I don't want to quote my reviews cause that's just tacky. If you know who they are and you like them, then you'll love this movie and you'll think it's funny. If you don't, I mean, it's a, it's 50, 50, dude. I just thought it was funny and I don't, I'm not a huge comedy fan, but dude, it, it was 90 minutes of just jokes and it was well-written. So I was on board for that. Um, I have that as like kind of my best comedy of the year. Okay. But it's like tied. Number seven on my list is Barbie. Um, There's just a part that we've talked about on the podcast before. There's just a part in the third act where uh, America Ferrara is talking. And I'm just like, I felt like we lost momentum. It's it's feminism one-on-one. I get people need to hear it. And it's important. But dude, I was just like the... I was there for Ken, bro. And I think that was the funny part of the movie. There's other funny parts, but he's like the funny guy. And the music across this uh, movie is impressive. Yeah. All the songs sure. are good. There's not even that many of them. They're all good. Though. Um, I like Will Ferrell's contribution to this movie. Margot Robbie did not. I mean, she is Barbie. I liked the kind of the meta parts of this movie where they're talking about th- if you're making a movie be like hey we understand that margot robbie was not a good yeah. casting choice to make this point dude i just like greta gerberg knocked it out of the park she did an amazing job there's just a couple things that didn't keep it from like being one of my favorites but i mean number seven of all the movies in 2023 and the movie's not even for me the thing i'm not the target demo it's just that good the thing about barbie that i think i find interesting as from like an industry perspective of of all the people that are involved in that movie that you walk away and you should be like, oh, Barbie inspired me to go check out this person's movies. Usually it's an actor in the movie, but I feel like everyone walked away from Barbie being like, I need to watch the other Greta Gerwig movie. Very rarely does a director get to walk away from a movie being like, I need to check the other director's movies. Yeah, dude, it was, it was really good. And I think the people who say it's aren't good are delusional. Also, (laughs) what are your favorite movies of 2023? Because I have, I mean, I also pulled a list of all the movies I didn't watch that if I had watched, they'd probably be on the list. Sure. But we'll probably cover that more towards Oscar season. Yeah. We have a podcast dedicated to that. But I'm like, dude, it was a phenomenon for a reason. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to go through my whole list or do you want to yeah, go? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So number six, that's this is the tie for best comedy, is Air. Uh, oh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. I think Ben Affleck directed it. Stars Jason Bateman. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Viola Davis is in it. Chris Tucker's in it. It's also, I have, I have two categories. It's the easiest recommendation. It's the, I don't need, there's no qualifiers for it. It's just, it's a good movie. I guess the qualifier would be, Hey, it's rated R for swearing. Sure. So if you're not comfortable with swearing, don't watch the movie. But like, if people are like, what's a good movie that came out in 2023, I would say air and not worry about it. I don't think it's the best movie. But it's the easiest recommendation. It's so freaking funny. And I think it's broadly appealing funny. So I think that's why I might edge it out over Please Don't Destroy. Because it's not nearly as niche. It's just funny. And it's based off a true story that everyone's familiar with. And you don't even focus on Michael Jordan that much. Like he's he's not even in the movie. They don't show his face. It's just about the shoe. And I think it's, it's done so well. Um... Like I said, it didn't change my life. I don't think it was that kind of movie, but like, bro, it it knew what it was supposed to do and it dialed it in. Um, so number six, 
of 2023. I got no problem giving it to, and I got no problem giving it over Barbie. I'm like, this one's just like easy wreck. Uh, number five is uh, the hottest take. That's literally, I don't have it winning any other category for me or separating itself from all the others. It's just the hot take that I got in the top five of the year. This is what's going to discredit me for liking movies because people are going to hate this. And it's The Flash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hot take. If this is like, this is what creates it. And this is so not objective. This is as subjective as it gets. I like this movie. Most people will not like this movie. If you like superhero movies, you still might not like this movie. If you think, oh man, they put a big old budget on this. I bet you it's going to be good. You're wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> uh, there's a load of flaws with this movie. Also, you have to evaluate whether it's morally responsible to promote the movie at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I loved it. It was so good. It was so good, dude. I would watch it again. Like, and I watched that two months ago, three months ago. I would watch it again. It is great. I liked it. It was a perfect length. Um, Michael Keaton killed Phones it. Phones it in. He's so good. Um, I love, we got a superwoman. We got Zod to come back. We got three Batman total in this movie. Ezra Miller, not a good guy, did it for me. Big O for me. <laughs> Great job in this movie. I I liked how he was interacting with a different version of himself, and they were on screen at the same time. And they were, I liked the dialogue, dude. I just like this movie. It's very. This is probably oh, this is hot take after hot take of the DCEU. Sixteen movies. We're we're including uh, including all the Superman, like Man of Steel. We're doing Batman versus Superman. We're doing Justice League. We're doing all that stuff. Aquaman, Shazam, top three in the okay. universe. Okay. Top three. Big old fan. Um, would not recommend that. Now, number four is my hardest recommendation. The I love this movie, but I'm not recommending this movie to anybody. And not like Flash because it's bad. It's just like there's way there's way too many disclaimers. You have to be cool with so many things to love this movie. And you need to be into just movies in general. Um, and that's Saltburn. I really enjoyed this movie uh kind of similar to like i care a lot which also has Roman roseman pike in it uh roseman pike also kind of similar to sharper which also came out in 2023 just way at the beginning of the year so everyone forgot about it um that has like sebastian stan julianne moore in it um oh yeah very good very um, similar to that i will say then, i don't think yeah. saltburn is that hot of a take is as hot of a take as you think it is it's, it's not I, I don't think it's a hot take i think the people who love movies love Saltburn. I just say it's just something I don't recommend for people. I think it's not that my, the only disclaimer that I would give someone to watching Saltburn is only watch it with one other person and make sure that that is the closest person that you are to in your entire life. I don't even think this. I don't want to watch this with Macy, bro. <laughs> I would I would watch this with you. Okay. Like you need a person who's just like down to watch weird stuff um have you seen it yeah okay yeah you're one of the reasons i watched it because i couldn't remember what you said about it i remember you saying something about barry and i'm like well i love him in everything he's in and you're like i don't know about that so i love him um this movie saltburn did change my opinion of barry keoghan 
because yeah. I did not like him in Eternals and I did not like him in Banshees. But and so when I was like, okay, Saltburn, people are excited about this movie. I don't really like Barry Keoghan, but I'll give it a shot. Barry Keoghan is really good in this movie. He's um, phenomenal, dude. I, I loved still, him so much. I still prefer Jacob Elordi in that movie. There's okay. just <laughs> there's something dude, about him. Like Jacob Elordi is four months younger than me. He's ten times as attractive, ten times more attractive than me. He comes on screen. I'm like, what? is happening it is distracting jacob lordy is the kind of hot where you take one look at him and you're like yeah no i understand why barry keoghan's character is the way that he is yeah it's one of those things where i'm like uh hey man maybe you shouldn't be casting this because it might not be believable that someone this hot came from your parents yeah it's just like (laughs) someone this hot doesn't have a personality so like the fact that you have depth is not going to be believable. The fact that it's just like it blew my mind. I this is the first thing I've ever seen him in. Um, I know that he's blowing up right now, but I haven't. I just haven't seen any of his other movies because I know he's in Priscilla. Hadn't seen it. I know he's done Euphoria. Haven't seen it. He's in Kissing Booth. Haven't seen it. So this is my first movie with him, and I'm like, this guy's my age, and he might be one of the most attractive men in Hollywood. Yeah, it's for sure. distracting. And um any, is, anyways yeah yeah <laughs> moving, uh, on, moving on moving on this movie's not a hot take i think it's uh it got nominated for a bunch of golden gloves it's gonna it's going to get nominated for a bunch of oscars it's great it's just I something i don't i think i'm gonna would, recommend to anybody i don't know if it's gonna be nominated for a bunch i it, think at least not. three i think I barry's think gonna get, get a, nom. a few yeah, yeah it'll yeah i don't know if you i don't know if it's quite a lock for anything as far as definitely getting it but as, as far as noms go it's gonna get a few um so i'm not even worried about that i so i feel like that makes it a safe bet but it's i wouldn't recommend it to anybody it'd be like you it'd be me you <laughs> and anyone who watches more than 150 movies a year like you need to put your time in before you i don't know if you that you would appreciate it it's just that like you wouldn't be scared off by some parts that being said it's billed as a comedy what is I mean, what is that? It's a black comedy for sure. Like I okay. I hate black comedies and I'm not talking Medea, I'm talking black comedies. Like dark comedies, yeah. I hate surreal comedies. Um and this is where I'm going to take then a break. Good luck watching Poor three. Things. <laughs> yeah, I saw that Poor Things is a comedy. I'm like, I don't believe that. So before <laughs> I get to my top 3, I have a hate list. Oh, wow. And these Negative are Nancy. the five movies in 2023 that I hate the most. Whoa. Okay. Um, and from least hate, we're going to start with Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear is the most bare bones movie you could have, I think. It's just like on paper, it looks like it would just fill the time. And it's jokes that you would come up with on a in a weekend. It's just tough, dude. Um, I think it was just the only reason got any success whatsoever is the meme. And that's it. The trailer is better than the movie. And um, that's all I got to say about that. Okay. Number four on the hate list. Fourth to the worst that I hate. You keep using this word hate and it makes me feel just bad. <laughs> okay. I I mean, lowest rated. Sure. My yeah. least favorite movie. My least favorite movie. Number four. Uh. It's gonna be it's gonna be leave the world behind. 
Okay. And, and we talked this, about this last week, so. Yeah. This just comes down to, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Mahershala Ali does an amazing job. Ethan Hawke does a great job. Uh, Julie Roberts, good enough job. Um, Kevin Bacon should have been more in the movie. We've talked about this. The problem is, is my exp- you the climax and the the expectations, you set them so high because the movie's just climbing and climbing and climbing. You're just waiting for the payoff and it doesn't come. And that was a betrayal as an audience member. And I think most people who watch this movie are like, it is not a bad movie. It's not. I can't give it a low rating because it's a bad movie. I just don't like it because I feel betrayed and they took advantage of me. So that's number four. Uh, I think there's a tie for second place. So this will be three and two. I'm going to do family switch because I couldn't even finish it. And then strays the dog movie oh, with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. Man, I have not heard a single person talk about strays. So um, family switch. I don't think we need to spend too much time on, but I would. So here's my impression of strays is um, I took my parents to go see a movie uh, and the trailer for strays played before it. And my dad was laughing throughout the entirety of the trailer for that movie. So, like, that movie definitely has an audience, but I would love to hear what you say about it. It feels like, do you know the movies that they make with, like, middle schoolers and they just have them swear a whole bunch? Yeah, the, it's, what's that movie called? Good Boys? Bad Boys? Sure. They, I mean, they do it a bunch of times. Yeah, Good Boys is probably the most recent one. Yeah. This is just like that, but they literally just copy-pasted other dog movies it's the same thing just add swearing and then them just constantly talking about wanting to bite their owner's penis off yeah uh-huh that's it other than that you're getting a kid's movie i watched this with willow and i just had it on mute and then when it gets to the very end when the dog attacks the owner i just covered her eyes i'm like i don't want her to see a dogs attacking people because she's already scared of dogs it's the exact Dude, it's a movie you've seen a million times. I'm like, the only thing this has is highly paid actors and swearing. The thing that I remember most about this movie is that it came out when Jamie Foxx was in the hospital from a from a very from like a mortal injury that he might not yeah. have recovered from. And at the same time, Strays was coming out. And I thought that was kind of funny. He did recover yeah. in case you were I wouldn't have choked about it if he did. Yeah. But it's just like freaking a waste of time, dude. It's a waste of time. I thought I was going to get something special because I'm like, oh, this is for adults. It's rated R. It's for adults. It's a kid's movie with swearing. It's trash. Um, and then the worst movie I saw this year was Bo is Afraid. Okay. And hey, I have a question. Did you decide to talk about your five lowest rated movies just so you could talk about Bo is Afraid? Yeah. Okay. Sure did. All right. <laughs> I had movies. I'm like, oh, I didn't like that movie. I didn't like this movie. And then I literally pulled a Grinch. I'm like, goes, I loathe this entirely. I hate this movie. If this is, if you, I want to say, if you enjoy this movie, that's one thing. I can see how you enjoy it. If you liked, because there's entertainment for how nonsensical it is. If that makes sense. That, that is where the comedy quote unquote comes from. The surreal comedy is, oh, this is so crazy. This is happening. That's what makes it funny. That's the lowest form of comedy. That's like shock comedy. It's the, I'm going to introduce something that doesn't normally happen in a way that doesn't make sense. And that will be the funny part. Well, I have a problem with that. 
after the 30 seconds where I realize what is happening and I laugh, okay, this is weird now. I now have to watch 15 minutes of the scene unfold. And that's a, it just, and then it, you get to the point where like, is this the movie now? Or are we going to go back to what was happening before? I don't know because it's supposed to be surreal. So I don't know what's real and what's not real and what's supposed to be happening. What's not. It literally just feels like someone wrote down there like 10 scenes that they think would be funny. And then they're like, all right, let's just make it into a movie. And, I'm, and then you just, it's just Mama Mia is so much better than this movie because they're like, let me start with good music and we'll make a story around the music. And this, they're like, let me just start with weird ideas that came up with wow high and then we'll find a way to throw it all together. It pissed me off, dude. I watched this over seven different viewings. Oh, wow. I couldn't watch more than 25 minutes at a time. So, And then at the very end, I'm like, screw it. I'm grinding through. I'm finishing this movie. I'm, I'm mad now. Um, do you have any strong opinions of Ari Aster as a director? Um, I'm going to have to go through. I'm, I've, I'm about, I mean, the fact that Hereditary he put that out- and Midsummer are the two that he's, so the thing about Ari Aster is that he's kind of gone on record and said that he doesn't want to make two movies in the same genre. So Hereditary was a horror movie and Midsummer was a psychological thriller and then Bo is Afraid was, like you said, like his attempt a at a surreal, surreal comedy. comedy. Yeah. Um, Midsummer, I get why people like it. I'm just not a fan of cult movies. But I, I get it. I don't, I didn't like it that much. I, I feel like I just should just say, hey, I didn't like it. It was an, I can appreciate it for what it was. This comes back to like, I know it was a good movie. I just don't like it. Um, And that's how I feel about Midsummer. Hereditary was terrifying. So there's that. We watched it for the podcast. Um, you didn't watch it for the podcast. That's not true. Um, I went back and watched it. That's not, you go, back, you go didn't go watch it for the, the podcast. Books. <laughs> um, Bo is Afraid is not a good movie, and I didn't like it. It's a bad movie with high production value, so I can't give it like negative points because I can still understand what... I, would, I can still hear people, the lighting. I can see what's going on. It is obviously big budget. But holy crap, this movie freaking sucks. I'm not, I, here's the thing. I don't even recommend it to anybody. Not, not even as a joke. If anything, I want to recommend it to people so we can also talk bad about it. But I don't want them to waste that much of their life because it's freaking long, dude. It's three hours. It's, I can't believe I watched it. All right, that ends the hate list. Let's just finish this thing up. Top three, Oppenheimer is number three. Um, It's a freaking epic Um, and a steak dinner. I think the cine- cinematography is incredible isn't i mean it's incredible this is chris nolan he kind of knows what he's doing um the reason it's not higher and i think i I want it to be and i know that rdj just won a golden globe for this performance but his whole arc at the last part of the movie i think detracts for the whole detracts from the whole movie that um i wish it wasn't included or it was severely minimalized but i mean it's a masterpiece it is. Um, it's not even. It's not my favorite Chris Nolan movie. He just like speaks my language, um, and it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Has a lot of flaws um, when it comes to like writing. He notoriously does not write well for women. This movie's not about them, but it. There's such a big part of the story that he probably should have spent more time on it. Um, but I mean, it's beautiful. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Number two, this is my favorite film. Not only is it my favorite of 2023, but of the filmy films that we watch um this is my favorite one and it's maestro with bradley Whoa. cooper underdog um, at a left field alex i do yeah. not mean to detract from whatever you're about to say 
you are the first person that I've heard give it anything higher than like an equivocal six out of ten. I loved this movie, and I it's hard for me to articulate why. Um, I think I mean Bradley Cooper. I was convinced it was. It's like I forgot it was Bradley Cooper. Like I knew he didn't look so different that I couldn't tell. I'm just like he's just. He was acting hard <laughs> and he's getting made fun of all over the place for like, this is Oscar bait. It's still a beautiful movie. Um, what you should know if you haven't watched it is it's not a movie about the director. It's a, or the conductor and composer. It's not a movie about him. It's about his marriage. His name's Leonard his relationships. Bernstein, in case you were curious. Yeah. I just, yeah. No one knows who that is. I mean, there's a couple people, but like, He's a uber famous composer, uber famous conductor. It's include. It's about his career and how his relationships around his career um, are negotiated, are inter- navigated. It's primarily about his relationship with his wife, played by Carrie Mulligan, who's phenomenal and is going to get nominated for best actress, best supporting actress. She was incredible. Um, I think a lot of people went in being like, "Oh, this is just like Tar with Bradley Cooper." Um, it's did you like Tar? I quit after 20 minutes in. Okay. I never got past the initial interview. That's crazy. <laughs> I just, I That's couldn't do crazy. it. That's crazy. That's um, crazy. Now that I watch this, I think I'm just going to have to sit down and grind my teeth and get through it because everyone freaking, no, I wouldn't say a lot of people like that movie, but that's also filmy, filmy, filmy. Um, but this, it's easier for me to digest because it's not about, it is about the art, it is about his career. And it showcases his entire life. Um, but it's really about his marriage, which is relatable. It's about his relationship with his kids, which is relatable. Um, so I loved it. Um, and there was just scenes that were just beautiful. I loved watching. And there was lots of them. Um, it's heavy. It's a steak dinner. It's filmy. So I wouldn't get, you probably won't get too much entertainment value out of it, but I loved it. And then number one, best animated movie, best family movie, best picture overall 2023 for me is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I mean, what more needs to be said? It's incredible. I loved everyone in it. I love the dialogue. I love the art style. I love relationships. I love the fact that it's set up for end of the movie. That I, people are like, well, the ending sucked because it's... I don't care. Don't even care. This is like <laughs> Infinity Ward for Endgame. No one was upset with the way Infinity War ended. We're all like, holy crap, I can't wait for Endgame. That's exactly how I feel. Beautiful movie. Can't wait for more. The music was phenomenal. The voice acting was great. I love everything about the movie. The only thing I didn't like was Sherry uh, Moore did interviews right next to uh, freaking what's her name, dude? Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. And he's like simping hard. And that made me uncomfortable. So every time they're like voicing and they're talking on screen together, I was thinking back to an interview and all the interviews they did together where he's like, oh, yeah, I loved working with her. She was she's just incredible. And she's like, yeah, he's cool, too. That just made me cringe. Other than that, dude, the movie for me is flawless. I would not change a single thing. I could watch this movie once a month f- for a year. It's incredible. I loved it. I don't think I'm, I don't think anyone disagrees with me. This is going to get best animated picture of the year. If it doesn't, it's going to be like the number two. It's beautiful. That's this, what I say year, about that. this year has some pretty heavy hitters for animated movies. Um, I think I'm very curious to see how the animated category is going to shake out for the Oscars because there are a lot of really good contenders. Yeah, I know um, the boy and the heron. Boy and the called. heron, Susan. That's May, gonna be like Nam- so. My short, 
my short list for the animated category is uh, international movies are a little funky because the rules on that. But like what I see is Suzume, The Boy and the Heron, Nimona, TMNT, and um, Elemental, and Spider-Verse. Okay. I've watched most of those. Dude, I think the problem with animated movies, and we'll get to yours very shortly, or your whole list deal the problem with animated movies is there's a there's not very many of them so there's the range on the difference between nimona and in boy in the heron and into the spider-verse dude we're all, these movies are totally different yes. how in the world is nimona on the same on the same list as this and this is the issue that i've discussed before ad nauseum is like putting it in like a different category makes it more difficult because like you said like the difference between like Nimona and across the spider-verse are incredibly different but like I think they both accomplish such great technical feats that there needs to be a better way to look at it than the way that we already do right Um, and if I think if we're looking at quality though I mean I think into the spider-verse across the spider-verse dude it's like one of the greatest animated movies of all time. Yes, for sure. And then there's Nimona, which I loved. It was good. Didn't crack my top 10 of movies this year, but I just think it would be different if there was just, I wish more animated movies were being made so the competition was stiffer. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right, Craig. I'm excited so, for your list. So I want to crank out some honorable mentions first. Okay. Um, uh, D&D is probably my comedy of the year. That movie was inter- That movie was so much fun. Um, I hope that movie gets a Hail Mary sequel. Um, yeah, I like that it's movie It's very a lot. good. Very um, good. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Made, oh, me, made me feel for a girlhood I never had. Like, okay. that movie was so, had so much heart in it. And also our, our fave Rachel McAdams is in it. And she's fantastic. The creator, I enjoyed a lot. Godzilla. Like, all of these movies, I think, are so good in like an honorable mention. Um, and this mm-hmm. kind of brings up the main point that I want to talk about when I talk about my top five is I think that this was a great year for movies. I think we got so a good, lot dude. of bangers. I had a lot of difficulty coming up with a top five list. I think that this year had a lot of sevens and eights. Yes. It true was really that. hard for me to pick out movies that I think were good enough to put in a top five list. So there were a few shoe-ins that I remember from like the the course of the year. But when I sat down and like really ironed it out, I'm like, none of these movies affected me in the way that like the whale did, you know, like a lot of, and I don't mean this to sound harsh. I just like, I am also willing to come to the table and say like, I was not in a great emotional state for a lot of this year. So like, I was not coming to these movies in necessarily a great headspace, but I did not walk away from any movie this year like a changed person. And that's the kind of thing that I look for when I'm curating a top five list. But all that being said, this is kind of what I came down to. Um, Number five is Past Lives. It's the it's uh, Celine song. Watch it so bad. So my recommendation, if you want to watch Past Lives and haven't, is Put yourself in a mind space and physical space akin to meditation. 
because that is what this movie feels like. It is serenity in a movie. It beautifully depicts how life changes, not necessarily for the better or the worse, but how it is just different and how you look at people differently and how one person can change one way, but one person doesn't. And the entire time I was watching that movie, the movie gives you time to think about yourself in relation to the movie. And jeez, oh, dude. And I Holy was smokes. and I was thinking about like my relationship with my friends and the people that I had a connection with and how those change over time. So I think that past lives is an incredible self-reflection. And like, I don't remember much about that movie. I remember how that movie made me feel. Um, Beautiful. And, uh, up next, I've mentioned it a few times already. Suzume, uh, Makoto Shinkai is just an amazing filmmaker. Um, Your Name and Weathering With You are also movies of his. And this movie mm. is just, in terms of like art style, like this movie runs away with. It's ju- that's just how it is. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. Um, Suzume is on here. I'll be honest, mostly for the art direction. It's one of those movies where you could pause it and every frame you'd like make it a wallpaper. Like it, 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 it is so gorgeous and seeing it in theaters was an incredible experience. Um, number three is this one's my curveball. Um, bottoms. I talked about it a few oh a few weeks gosh. ago. Um, this movie made me laugh harder than a movie has ever made me laugh. Just straight up, I was laughing throughout almost the entirety of the movie. Um, Rachel Sennett and Iowa Berry are comedy dynamos. They every time they said something, I was laughing. And um, like you said, you know, it's it is just. Nice to have a good comedy. And I, it is a crime that this movie has not been released on physical media yet because I want to buy it so bad. Um, and so at the end of the day, Bottoms is just, it's funny and that's all it needs to be. And I'm okay with that. Um, nice, dude. This one, and so two and one, like I said, were incredibly difficult decisions for me because. I think that the two movies I'm about to talk about are both incredibly emotionally powerful. Um, and at uh, I, the, 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 the trait that I focused on to choose between one or the other was simply rewatchability. I think both of these movies are of the same quality, but I would rewatch one before I rewatched the other. Okay. Um, so my number two is killers of the flower moon. Lily Gladstone Thanks. gives a killer performance. I think it is Scorsese at his best. Um, Leo and De Niro both give good performances, but they are not the reasons I remember this movie. Um, I think the story that is being told in this movie is incredibly powerful and it is told almost exactly as it should be told. So I think that Killers of the Flower Moon, it's a, it's a dedication. It's a steak dinner. Um mm-hmm. You have to sit down and be in the mood for a movie like this, but like it delivers on everything that it wants to deliver. And I respect this movie incredibly. I had an amazing time watching it. I would recommend it to anyone that can stomach a three and a half hour movie. And if you don't think you can try it anyway. Wow, dude. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon was fantastic. 
Um, awesome. I do want to say, if I could choose this as my number one, I would have chosen the Waitress musical pro shot, but because it is a 2017 musical that got a pro shot in 2021 that got released in 2023, I'm like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> you know what? That's too many technicalities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, since you did it, I'm also going to do it. I'm going to talk about my five lowest rated movies. Yes. Um, this is not in any particular order. I'm just looking at all the movies and I'm picking the ones that have low ratings. Um, the first one I want to talk about is You Hurt My Feelings with Julia Louise Dreyfus. Oh, um, no, dude. That's on my list to watch. So this is one of those movies that you look at it on Letterboxd and it's rated 3.4 out of 5. And a lot of them are high ratings. People are like, yes, this director delivers. She's so good. She knows how to write a, like, a comedy for adults. And I was bored the entire time. I think I laughed maybe twice. Um, I just didn't find it funny. That's really what it boils down to. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and it's the fact it's not even mom humor. Because You Hurt My Feelings is the movie I took my parents to go see when we saw the Strays trailer. And my dad laughed more at the Strays trailer than he did at the movie. Oh, no, um, man. It bums me out. The next one is uh, the Super Mario movie. I just didn't care for it. Um, cool. I This is one of those movies that every person I ask, they have a different opinion on it. Um, nobody is in line with this movie. And I'm just yeah. one of the people that didn't care for it. I thought it was pretty cookie cutter and didn't really contribute much. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I think I, I totally agree. Uh, up next is Asteroid City. And oh, the main the main reason I was disappointed by this movie was because he, here's my arc with Wes Anderson. All right. Wes Anderson is a filmy film director for filmy film bros. Yep. I watch. And then I watch Grand Budapest Hotel and I laugh throughout most of Grand Budapest Hotel. And I'm like, oh, maybe I had the wrong opinion of Wes Anderson. I was uh, I was given misinformation. He's kind of silly and goofy and he knows how to make a movie like this movie is funny. It's cool. I like the style. Um, so maybe I was wrong. I'm excited for Asteroid City. I watched Asteroid City and I'm like, nope, never mind. Uh, never mind. This, this one just did not strike with me. Um, everybody talks so fast and with such a monotone voice that it never felt like anything of importance was happening. An alien shows up just like a straight up alien. And it's like not important. It doesn't feel important. Um, there are some parts of that movie that people will clip out of context. And like, there's a speech that um, Adrian Brody gives, I think, at the end of the movie that a lot of people clip. And like, this is my favorite monologue or this is my favorite speech from the year. Yeah, that part of the movie is cool. It's the only one. <laughs> it's the only one. <laughs> oh, jeez, dude. Um, up next would be Equalizer 3. Um, no, saw that coming. Yeah, it's just such a bummer because Equalizer 1 and 2 are so good. Like, if you want, like, at cool action movies, Equalizer, I think, often gets overlooked. It was overlooked by me until this year. And so the fact that Equalizer 3 just didn't deliver was a bummer. But, mm-hmm. oh, well. Um, And then the other one I guess I would talk about would be Five Nights at Freddy's. I talked about it recently, so I don't want to rehash it. It's a cool concept, 
Um, and I think that they did parts of that movie really well, but it is not just a, it is just not a very functional movie. Um, yeah. And then to, you know, finally cap it all off, give you my number one. Dude, um, freaking drum roll. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, hey, take a look at the list of movies. Think about which one you were expecting and which one you haven't seen yet. It's yep. across the Spider-Verse. Like, come on. Hell yeah, dude. I was so, thinking, I'm like, dude, we've had no overlap in our list at all. So I was hesitant to put across the Spider-Verse here because I think by and large, this movie has fewer memorable moments than Into the Spider-Verse does. And I think that this movie's biggest flaw is that the fact that it is compared to Into the Spider-Verse. A lot about this movie. I think the biggest flaw is that it wasn't first. Yes. And so I have a lot of critiques about this movie. I really do. I think that the climax of this movie is a little empty. Um, I think that this movie could have amounted to more and didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. But like you said, the animation is interstellar. The choreography is amazing. The, the, the attention to detail is fantastic. Like into the spider verse changed how I feel about Spider-Man as a whole and across the spider verse only boosted that concept. Like I watched across the spider verse and like, Gwen Stacy is my favorite Spider-Man. I want to make that clear. Like across yeah, the, tracks across the Spider-Verse made Gwen Stacy my favorite Spider-Man. Um, so I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, I really hope that the third movie can close. Here's the thing about across the Spider-Verse is if beyond the Spider-Verse has the same flaws as across the Spider-Verse, it'll take both movies down with it. So... <laughs> So uh, uh, Across the Spider-Verse is an amazing part one. Across the Spider-Verse is how I feel about how people felt about Dune part one. (laughs) I think is maybe the best way to put it. I'll be like, oh, this is really good. But the next one's going to be so much better. Yeah. Like that's that's how I'm kind of approaching Across the Spider-Verse. And so I mean, I compared mine to Infinity War. So we're on the same page. Yeah. So like it is it is a tentative number one spot. I don't necessarily love that it's there, but like I, I, the fact of the matter is like, what else? Like, like what else? Right. Yeah. I think if people don't have this on their list of top tens, I would say top fives, but this might just not be it for people. If it's not on your top 10 list for the year, you're nuts. <laughs> it is. It is fantastic, dude. Um, But yeah, so those are our top five and bottom five movies. Um. We've been running pretty long. We normally touch on like TV and stuff, but I watched one TV show this year and it was Star Trek. So (laughs) I'm not really good to talk about TV. I can talk about games if you wanted to. I played a lot of games this year. Um, I mean, like I like Starfield. I like Spider-Man. I liked Fire Emblem. Um, I liked Dead Space. So like there's a lot of good games that came out this year too. Good year for content. Just I I say content. It's it's a good year for media. Um, yeah, and I mean, when people ask me about TV shows, I just recommend them The Bear and then move on. Okay, let's talk about The Bear for a second. Ah, oh, jeez, Craig. This is my number one on a list of number ones. It's like, it's so good. I don't, I, I'm not coming at it to disparage it. I'm coming at it because I want to understand, all right? Every clip I see of that show is just people yelling at each other. Is there a moment to breathe in that show? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, there's like two episodes in season two that you would really like. <laughs> um, I, I feel uh, look like up the... the one. I think it's called Amsterdam. It's just vibes the whole episode. So I feel like the problem I would have with the bear is the same problem that I have with the morning show is everyone treats this situation like it's life or death when at the end of the day it's food (laughs) okay when you put it like that you would hate it because that's exactly what it is everything's life or death i will say it's much more manageable because the episodes are 20 minutes long sure and the in the morning show which i also love um it's just so much longer and drawn out that you have to sit in it this is like 20 minutes tap out get a breather You'll, you'll be fine is the restaurant that he works at is it like what kind of restaurant is it craig we can't just talk about the bear. Yes, we can. It's our and I just show. Ex- we can do whatever we want. Have me explain to you the base. Look it up on IMDb. Read the summary. Look it up. God. Dude, it's just the dude works in an Italian beef restaurant. He has dreams that it could be that it can become more. Season one is him taking over the restaurant. Season two is him transitioning it into the restaurant he wants it to be. And then season three should entirely take place in that new restaurant. Okay, the question all takes place that in Chicago. I'm, the question that I'm I, I'm really asking is like, are we worried about Michelin stars here, or is it just success of a restaurant? He has a Michelin star background, and he comes back because his family has an Italian beef sandwich okay. restaurant, and he goes, "Oh, we can do much. I have a background where we can make this amazing, but we're not gonna, we can't serve this food if we're gonna have a Michelin star." Okay, that so he's trying makes to change the culture sense. of everyone that works there. Of all the customers that are coming there and the restaurant of itself, he's like, we can be better than this. Okay. Well, that's our uh, that's our hour and 20 minute episode talking about the bear. Uh, we appreciate you listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that show so much. Um, do you dare do any free balling? No. It, I'll save it for next week. Can I talk about my one free balling? All right, do it, bro. Why not? Okay. So I am almost at the end of this game. I'm going to... We're going to stop recording and I'm going to go finish it. Um, I'm almost done with Uncharted 4, which is oh, the last okay. Nathan Drake Uncharted. There's one more like pseudo spinoff game that I'm going to play. But like this is the last Nathan Drake Uncharted. Um, I have been pretty critical of the Uncharted franchise up to this point, And I understand that. Um, Uncharted 4 fixes almost all of my problems. That Uncharted 4 is the game that I have been waiting for in this franchise. Oh Mm -hmm. my God. Like um, the combat is way better. The, the climbing is way better. They, and it's like, they just do little things to fix all of it. Like there is not as much combat. And so every Mm -hmm. time you get into combat, it feels a little more meaningful. And like, they really went all out on letting you do stealth. And they gave you opportunities to like walk away from a fight. Like I went, I just finished playing a section where I took out three guys in stealth, saw that there were eight more guys. And I'm like, actually, no, thanks. I'm just going to move on. Never mind. I choose life. (laughs) And the game just lets you like, okay, if you're able to sneak past them, have at it. And I'm like, cool. Perfect. Thanks. Um, And like little things like they added a rope that you can use to swing off of things makes things way more dynamic. And like this little Mm -hmm. detail that they added is there's more than one way to climb up something usually. And it's little things like, oh, you go up here 
or you go left here and you still end up in the same place. But it makes right. climbing feel way more dynamic of like the main thing I was complaining about in Uncharted 3 is I didn't feel like I was playing a game. I was just holding up and watching a long cutscene. Not the case in Uncharted 4. Like the climbing means something. And so Uncharted 4 is the best game in the Uncharted franchise. I'm glad I made it this far. It is the Uncharted 4 is so good. It made playing all the other games worth it. Good grief, dude. You're selling this thing hard. Yeah, dude. It's a good game. Um, right, yeah. Man. So that's Uncharted 4. Um, Sweet, dude. Yeah. So next week, what do you want to watch next week? I'll let you choose. Let's watch Kick-Ass, bro. Okay. Next week, we're watching Kick-Ass. Um, it is a superhero parody comedy, kind of like in the vein of Scott Pilgrim. So, you know, you'd think I'd have watched it. I haven't. They I've watched two, it. They made now two we are two them. for two of movies <laughs> I've watched that you should have watched. <laughs> um, so that's next week. Thank you. Hey, I also want to say, if you listen to this whole episode, like, thanks, you know? <laughs> you either love movies or you love us. Those are, those are the only reasons. Yeah. So um, I appreciate you guys sticking it out. This podcast is just an excuse for Alex and I to info dump about all the the movies we watched. And um, this episode is, bar none, the most we've done that. So um, we appreciate you sticking around if that's what you did. Um, Otherwise, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces. (laughs) 